But how can we do that if, if we cannot even admit to ourselves where we are wrong? If we're always the hero or the victim, but never the villain. I'm pointing this out to you not to tell you that your identity is the villain or my identity is the villain. It doesn't have to be. But if we want to change our ways, then we need to acknowledge that our ways might need changing. Hello and welcome to Not So Secular. My name is Mon Reyes and I'll be your host here today. This episode is called What If I'm the Bad Guy? Anong context nito, no? Well, last night, my wife told me about something that she read online. And it goes like this. That people who are self-absorbed only tell stories in one of two ways. They tell stories in a way that portrays them as the hero or in a way that portrays them as the victim. They never tell stories in a way that portrays them as the villain. Always the hero or the victim, but never the villain. And that's kind of where this episode is coming from, right? What if I'm the bad guy? The idea came about when I was reading some of the parables. You see, last Sunday at the feast or community, we talked about the parable of the prodigal son. It was our conclusion to our study on the book of Deuteronomy and our bigger series on the first five books of the Bible. We talked about Genesis last year and then Exodus and then Leviticus and then Numbers and then ito, last week, kakatapos lang ng Deuteronomy. And the way we packaged the final series on the book of Deuteronomy was to give it the title Dear Prodigals. So the theme is like a letter written by a father to the prodigal son. And you might be wondering, di ba? Deuteronomy, hindi ba Old Testament yon? Tapos, prodigal son, hindi ba New Testament yon? With, it's, it's a story told by Jesus. It's two completely different parts of the scriptures. Well, if you'd like to know more about that, we talked about that last Sunday. You can go ahead and check one of the live streams, yung mga replays ng mga feasts in Mega Manila. If you'd like to listen to my version of it, I gave that message at Feast Bellevue PM, which you could look up on YouTube or Facebook. With that said, I'd like to visit that story, the story of the prodigal son, alongside another parable that was told by Jesus na binasa natin in one of the Gospels a few Sundays ago. And this idea, what if I am the bad guy? My invitation for you as we revisit these stories is to ask that question. Because one of the things that we can do when we read these stories is the same thing that self-absorbed or self-centered people do when they tell stories about what happened to them or what's happening around them. They either just paint themselves as the hero or the victim. Basta sila yung kawawa or sila yung bida. Never the villain. But what if when we're engaging with the scriptures, when we're engaging with the Bible, we actually take into consideration now what if there really is something that we are doing that is wrong? What if dun sa story, diba, dun sa sinasabi nating story, what if tayo yung Pharisee? Instead of thinking na ang sama-sama naman itong mga Pharisees na to. What am I talking about? Sige, let's just dive right into it. 
I'm going to read from Luke chapter 15. But before that, just a quick summary of the story of the prodigal son. We're not going to read the entire thing. But the story goes like this. There was a father who had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Give me my share of the inheritance right now so that I could leave and spend it. Okay? I don't want to have anything to do with this family. I am no longer interested in being your son. Just give me what you could give me as your son and then we could just cut this relationship already. This was very painful because kailan ba natatanggap ang mana? When does someone receive the inheritance? You receive it when the person dies, when the parent dies, right? So basically, this younger son was telling his father that, you're dead to me, right? You're better off to me dead than alive, so might as well just give me what I will receive by the time you die. I can't even wait until you're dead. So just give it to me, and then I'll leave. You don't need to have a son anymore. I don't need to have a father anymore. So aside from the act of rebellion of demanding the inheritance right away, the bigger act of rebellion was rejecting his father. And that was what the prodigal son did. And so he left after taking his money, left went away to a far place, and there he squandered his share of the inheritance in loose living, in prostitutes, in his vices, and so on and so forth. However, that's the problem, right? He had a big amount of money, but he had no fixed income. That's a topic for another day. And what happened, basically, is after he had spent it all, he no longer had any money. And it also happened that famine hit the land, which means that the crops weren't growing. There's not enough produce. And it was just a bad time for the economy. And so he became poor and hungry. He ended up having to feed pigs. That was his job, which was very, very low for a Jewish man in the in ancient times because Jews don't even eat pork. So imagine my situation, yeah, diba? He is someone who is feeding the food that he's not allowed to eat. And the food that he's not allowed to eat, nakikipag-agawang pa siya ng pagkain doon. It was that bad. It was super rock bottom. Finally, he comes to his senses and realizes there's food at home, may pagkain sa bahay, parang college student lang. <laughs> may pagkain sa bahay, uuwi na lang ako. And decided to make his way back home, preparing a speech, how he could explain himself and tell his father, I'm no longer worthy for you to receive me as your son, just receive me as one of your hired servants. But while he was still a long way off, probably his face downcast, and walking slowly in shame, what he sees before him is his father running, running to him. He sees him from afar, runs toward him, embraces him, puts a robe on him, puts sandals on his feet, puts a ring on his finger so that everyone knows that this is his son, and then invites him home. He doesn't even let him deliver the speech, the, the shame speech, the guilt speech speech about how I'm no longer worthy to be received as your son. The father doesn't even let him say all of that. Instead, he receives his lost son home and he celebrates. He puts up a feast together and he celebrates his son who was once lost but is now found, who was once dead but is now alive. That is how we know the story of the prodigal son. However, that is not the entire story of the prodigal son. If we go back a few verses earlier, we actually see the context why Jesus tells this story in the first place. In Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, this is what it says. Now, 
The tax collectors and sinners were all crowding around to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then after this, Jesus says the parable of the lost sheep. And then he says the parable of the lost coin. And then he says the parable of the lost son. What was the moment that triggered it? It was the criticism that he received. From whom? From the Pharisees, the religious leaders. That's where it came from. Jesus told this story not to tell the sinners around him how he loves them, although for sure he does, but to tell the Pharisees why he's doing what he's doing, to show the Pharisees why he was hanging out with sinners and tax collectors, which the Pharisees did not like. Kasi nga, it's like hanging out with the wrong crowd. Diba? Akala ko ba religious leader ka? Akala ko ba matino ka? Pero yung tropa mo, yung barkada mo, ganyan. Why do you hang out with these people? Oftentimes, we give the Pharisees a hard time. But today, some of us would think like that. Right? Bakit ba sila friends nito? Akala ko ba nag-church yan? Akala ko ba nag-serve yan? Akala ko ba matino siya? Bakit sila friends? We judge people by association. Right? And that's what Jesus addresses. That's exactly what Jesus addresses in the story of the prodigal son. Because there were two sons in that story. The more famous version is the story of the younger son. But we also have the story of the older son. The older son, upon hearing that the younger son has come back, decides to stay outside. He did not want to join the celebration. Why? We read about it after the story of the younger son. In Luke 15, verse 25 and onward, it says, Now the elder son had been out in the fields. As he returned and drew near the house, he could hear the sounds of music and dancing. He summoned one of the servants and inquired what all this meant. The servant replied, Your brother has come home, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The elder son then became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he said to his father in reply, All these years I have worked like a slave for you, and I never once disobeyed your orders. Even so, you have never even given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours returns after wasting his inheritance on prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are with me always, and everything I have is yours. But it was only right that we should celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost, and now he has been found. This is the story of the older son. The older son na matino. The older son who obeyed. The older son who never left home. Never rebelled. At least, not outwardly. But as we see, he was rebelling inwardly. He stayed home, but he was full of resentment. And even though he was a son, he treated himself like a slave, which comes in contrast with the prodigal son. The younger son was like that too, at first. The younger son demanded what was owed to him, or at least what he felt was owed to him. And then he ran away, and then he spent all of that. And then when he became poor, he was remorseful, started heading home. And then the speech that he prepared, it, it went like this. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me like one of your servants. That's 
a bit similar to what the older son experienced or at least was feeling inside even though their situation was the opposite because the older son stayed home. But the language that he uses, pay attention. He says, I have treated myself as a servant for you. How come you don't treat me like a son, like him? Like this long-lost boy who did nothing but wrong you. I did the right thing. And so because he did the right thing, he thought he was owed more than the younger son. At the end, he was exactly where the younger son used to be. He thinks that this is what he deserves, but he's wrong. When we read this story, there's a reason why we often forget about the older son. Because we identify with the younger son who is remorseful, who has come home, embraced and welcomed by the father. And yes, there is a reason also why that story is very powerful. Because, well, it is. It shows us the kind of love that the father has. But as we read onward after that, we also see that there was more than one way of rebelling. Hindi lang pagwawalwal, di ba? We see that in the younger son. But in the older son, the son who stayed, the son who thought he was doing everything right, we realize that even though he was at home, his heart was also far away from the father. And he also had to be reconciled. He was also rebelling in his own way. At yun nga, he was bitter. He was resentful of his younger brother because he thought the younger brother was favored. How many of us are too easily, we, we too easily identify with the younger son who was received back by the father and then we judge the older son thinking na, ano ba naman to? Umuwi na ngayon kapatid niya. Ano ba naman to? Masyadong condemning, too judgmental. We judge the older son and then we fail to realize na, oh, oh, okay, I'm acting like the older son. I think I am above him. I think I am better than him in the same way that he thought he was better than the younger son. Isn't that the same thing we do when we condemn the people that we go to church with or the people who might not even want to go to church, right? When we condemn them for not acting or thinking or behaving like us. Kasi tayo, committed tayo. Tayo, this is what we do. Tayo, we're in the Father's house. We're doing what we can. We're treating ourselves as Sons and daughters? Mm, not always. But like the older son, we treat ourselves as servants, as workers, which is not a bad thing in itself. But the kind of service that we give to the Lord should be in the context of a relationship with Him. Right? But how often do we paint ourselves as either the hero or the victim without thinking that maybe we're the villain? Another parable that I've been thinking about recently is the parable of the workers in the vineyard. This was about the different workers who were hired in different times of the day. And this is how it reads at the start. In Matthew chapter 20, reading from verse 1, The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Going about 
9 o'clock, he saw some others standing idle in the marketplace. He said to them, You also go into my vineyard, and I will give you what is just. When he went out again around noon, at 3 in the afternoon, he did the same. Then about 5 o'clock, he went out and found others standing around and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? They answered, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You too go into my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Summon the workers and give them their pay, beginning with those who came last and ending with the first. When those who had started to labor at five o'clock came, each of them received a denarius. Therefore, those who had come first thought that they would receive more, but they were paid a denarius, the same as the others. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner, saying, These men who were hired last worked only one hour, and yet you have rewarded them on the same level with us who have borne the greatest portion of the work in the heat of the day. The owner replied to one of them, Friend, I am not treating you unfairly. Did you not agree with me to work for a denarius? Take your pay and leave. I have chosen to pay the latecomers the same as I pay you. Am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Thus the last will be first, and the first will be last. Sometimes we encounter passages like this and we think it's normal, right? Oo nga naman, bakit sobrang naman tong mga workers na dumating ng maaga? Ang demanding naman nila, because that's the scenario, right? Um... There were different groups of workers who arrived at different times of the day. And syempre, if you arrive earlier, you do more work. And so there was a group of workers who arrived in the morning, group of workers who arrived at noon, group of workers who arrived in the afternoon, one hour bago matapos yung trabaho. And then the morning group saw that the afternoon group was given the amount that they agreed on. Nag-agree sila sa umpisa, ito ang sweldo, Right? But because they saw that, they assumed that they would be given more. But the landowner gave them the same amount that they agreed upon at the start. Right? So, bakit ganon? Bakit sila isang oras lang nagtrabaho pero parehas kami ng sweldo? If that were to happen to us nowadays, sabihin natin in a work setup, magre-reklamo rin tayo, di ba? Like, we think passages like this are supposed to be just, oh nga, sobrang judgmental naman itong mga naunang workers and so on and so forth. But if we were treated that way, wouldn't we act in the same manner also? Again, it's easier to identify with the latecomers, thinking na, oh nga, let's, let's, let's be generous to them, let's be merciful to them, they're also invited to work in the field, and uh, all you people who arrived early, you're so religiously judgmental and condemning, and so on and so forth, without realizing that, wait lang, Yes, there might be some times in our lives when we are like the latecomers who receive mercy, who receive grace. But there are also times in our lives when we are like the morning workers who demand to be treated better than the latecomers because we think we are owed. What if we're the bad guys? What if we're not the hero or the victim? What if we're the villain? And why am I talking about this? Why am I pointing this out to you? Because one of the most important parts of Jesus' proclamation is repentance, is us turning away from our ways and deciding to follow Him, asking for forgiveness, seeking reconciliation, 
accepting the transformation that the Holy Spirit gives. But how can we do that if we cannot even admit to ourselves where we are wrong, if we're always the hero or the victim, but never the villain? I'm pointing this out to you not to tell you that your identity is the villain or my identity is the villain. It doesn't have to be. But if we want to change our ways, then we need to acknowledge that our ways might need changing, that we could be the ones who are wrong. We could be the ones who are like the Pharisees. Yes, there are times when we are the tax collectors being reached out to by Jesus undeservingly. But there are also times when we could be like the Pharisees who are looking at the other people, being blessed by God, thinking to ourselves, eh, bakit ganun? I am inviting us to reflect on this because I know that this can be my weak spot too. I am aware that I can be very gracious and very understanding as a servant in ministry toward the people that I am leading or toward the people that I am ministering to. But I tend to have very high standards with the people who are already leaders, either my colleagues or those who are supposed to be leading me. I, I know that I tend to be more judgmental, more condemning, perhaps. Um, easier to quickly jump into assumptions and so on and so forth. And I know that this is a weakness of mine. And that I constantly have to seek the help of Christ in this area of my life. What if I am the bad guy? Or if that's hard to ponder on, perhaps we could switch it, you know? What if I'm wrong? What if I was the one who's wrong? Because we very well could be. We're not always right in our opinions, in our insights, in our thoughts, in our and in the way that we think things should be done. We could be wrong. That's a very real possibility. And if we think that we could never be wrong in the, in the ways that we go about, in the ways that we suggest, in the ways that we want things done, then perhaps we might have a pride issue. And to bring this episode to a close, I'd like to read to you a quote from C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity. There's a portion there where he talks about pride. And this is one of the things that he says. He said, Pride is essentially competitive, is competitive by its very nature, while the other vices are competitive only, so to speak, by accident. Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. We say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good-looking, but they are not. They are proud of being richer or cleverer, or better looking than others. If everyone else became equally rich or clever or good looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. It is the comparison that makes you proud, the pleasure of being above the rest. In another section from the same chapter, he continues this idea toward its implication. He talks about God. This is what he said. In God, you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. Unless you know God as that, and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison, you do not know God at all. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. 
A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Pride is the sin that corrupts. It corrupts even the good things that we do. When we are generous, it's good. When we become proud of being generous, it gets corrupted. When we give our time and our service to others, it is good. When we become proud of giving our service and our time to others, unlike all these other people around us who are not doing that, then it becomes corrupted. If we are humble, it is good. But if we become proud of our own humility, then it feels wrong. It becomes corrupted. It's no longer humility. Because true humility, C.S. Lewis also talks about this in another book, true humility has to do with self-forgetfulness. It's not that you don't care about yourself, it's that you're not self-centered. Yes, you care about yourself, but you care about others too, and you care about bigger things than yourself. And that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to have bigger things outside of yourself. And part of true humility is coming into terms with that. Admitting, celebrating the parts of us that are good, that are right, while at the same time repenting of the parts of us, seeking forgiveness for the things that we've done wrong, that we've said wrong, and the parts of us that need to be purified. An interesting thing about the parable we read about the workers in the vineyard is that the passage before that in chapter 29, verse 30, it says, Many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. And then you have that, parable of the workers in the vineyard. And then after that, we have another story, and part of that story, in chapter 20, verse 26, Jesus says, Whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be your servant. It's the same thing. The parable is sandwiched with the same lesson. First will be last and the last will be first. One last parable. I think I said two at the start, but now that we're here, I can't not mention this. This is from Luke chapter 18. This is the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Chapter 18, reading from verse 9, it says, He also told the following parable to some people, who prided themselves about their own righteousness and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and said this prayer to himself, I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, greedy, dishonest, adulterous, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and pay tithes on all my income. The tax collector, however, stood some distance away and would not even raise his eyes to heaven. Rather, he kept beating his breast as he said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. This man, I tell you, returned to his home justified, whereas the other did not. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. 
That is it for our episode for today. Thank you very much for listening all the way through. Won't you give this podcast a rating if you enjoyed it on Spotify? It's easy. You could give us a five-star rating with two clicks. I believe it's so easy. If you're using Apple, you could go ahead and leave us a review also that helps other people find this podcast as well. And if you would like to support this show, if you're benefiting from it, you would want it to continue and improve both in the technical setup as well as in the content of it, please do support us financially by visiting the link in the description. I put up a new Patreon page. I am exploring that. So let's see where this goes. Your giving and your prayers go a long way in making this happen. Again, thank you very much for listening all the way through and I will see you in our next episode. Bye!